Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Shannon Lepke, who runs C Coaching and Consulting. Shannon is an incredible executive coach who brings a lot to our community. She fronts an organization called RedShare that brings leadership and opportunities for coaching to women in our community and really empowering women. And beyond that, in her coaching work, she's expanded out of her field, literally into the field of coaching with horses. It's quite incredible, and I'm really excited to share more about this on this episode. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hey everyone, it's Keith here, and I'm glad you've decided to join me. This is going to be a really, really interesting episode and conversation with Shannon Lepke today. I love Shannon. She is uh, a force to be reckoned with. She's got this beautiful ability to um, systematically think about things, but in recent years as well, I've noticed she's found the balance from being a systems thinker to also a heart and emotional feeler in her work. Uh, Shannon is this incredible coach that I had the opportunity to recently have a session with and, uh, and her horse named Annie. Um, it's quite amazing. I just recently learned about this through Shannon that uh, the coaching field has expanded through the work of Kathy Pike into um, coaching people using horses. And literally, I found myself working with Shannon out at this farm <laughs> and I was coached by not only Shannon, but her, her horse. And to think that sounds a little crazy, I know it does at first to our conscious mind, but horses have so much wisdom to share with us. And because they're such sentinel beings, they, they truly do bring magic to a coaching session. So I am um, really excited for you to learn more about what this is all about and some of the other great work that Shannon is, is involved in our community with. So before we dive into that, I just also wanted to welcome those of you that are new to this podcast and invite you to subscribe to um, my weekly podcast. And also, if you're unfamiliar, I do have a, uh, a lot of work in the field of mindfulness and coaching available at my website, keithmcpherson.ca. And uh, there I offer a lot of tools, resources, and opportunities for you to bring more mindfulness into your life. So if you're looking to bring a little bit more mindfulness and understand even what that word is all about, I really encourage you to go visit my site and check out some of the, um, the inspiration there. And let me know if you have any questions. So we're going to dive into this particular episode. I'm really excited. This is going to be quite powerful to understand how coaching and horses come together to create transformation. So without further ado, please meet Shannon Lepke. This is a really exciting episode for me because Shannon Lepke's here on the podcast. I've been counting down actually the months for her to come on the, the, the show here and discuss all of what she's up to. Uh, an incredible, incredible woman. And hmm. she's sitting here with me right now. Welcome. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I, uh, I just love every time we get to talk and every time I, I walk away, I feel so inspired. It's hmm. like you have this natural ability to to coach without even being like uh, consciously a coach. Like it's just your energy is so transformative. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you. That's uh, very humbling to hear that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how did, I'm just curious if we, you take me back to when did this all start for you? The, the coaching work? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I've been reflecting on that, uh, as I have been entering the 
fold of coaching, I'll say, and realizing that that actually started for me a long time ago, um, probably the second or third job of my career. Uh, I joined an organization called the Manitoba School Improvement Program. Oh. We worked with high schools and school division personnel to focus on how teachers could improve learning and instruction and assessment and experience for kids, for high school kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was an incredible opportunity. I did it for just over 11 years. And part of my role that I learned um, from some really wise uh, educators at the time was the role of critical friend, Mm. which is actually in the literature. And the essence of a critical friend is to help you identify those things that are working well and to celebrate them. And to ask tough questions to help you dig deep into what's going on and is there things that you could do maybe a little bit differently or better to get different results. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so I learned this process, uh, met with leadership teams in high schools for years, twice a year. We we, um, used their school plan to figure out what the questions would be and had these really great dialogues. And then I used that as my master's thesis in my uh, master's of education and wrote it out of me and really reflected on the role of critical friend uh, using systems thinking and social constructivist theory and so forth. And um, so now that I'm fast forward into coaching, I'm realizing I kind of was doing that then. Without even knowing it? Without knowing it. Wow. Is that ever amazing? Cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. And it took me a while to make that connection, which was interesting for me from a coach perspective, to remind myself that people make connections when they're ready to Mm. and when they've given themselves the space to do that. Oh, isn't that the truth Mm -hmm. too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's. I almost find like we're being led to where we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I got to get out of the way and just let life inform me of where I need to be. It sounds like that a little bit for you. A little bit. Yeah. 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 And it was interesting after I left uh, the education sector, which was great. I was in there for just over 15 years and uh, did a short stint at a social service agency and then went to Manitoba Public Insurance. And I transitioned into business through the lens of change. Mm. And so started there in their organizational change management team, which really really was focused on helping people through business change. And um, thought I'd be there for two years, ended up being there for just over nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was a pretty incredible ride, I'll call it. (laughs) And uh, quickly went up the corporate ladder, which was not my intention. Um, and the last two and a half, three years, I was in the executive office as the CHRO. And then I had other portfolios added to me before I left and had the opportunity to lead the leadership development programming, the culture shift work that we wanted to do. And that's why I took the executive role. It wasn't about the role. It was about shifting corporate culture and that people feel felt valued and knew why they were coming to work. Mm, that's a, wow. I could t- use a whole podcast just to talk about that topic. <laughs> right? although I, but I'm just curious, just a little bit on that. The shifting corporate culture, we're hearing this so much lately where yes. there's, it seems like the, the workforce in general is in a huge state of transformation mm-hmm. where we're kind of moving from more reactive to a different way of leading. What do you, can you share a little bit of your insight on that? Like how that looks to you these days? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I reflect on the work that we did on culture, it really was around behaviors. Mm. I would say behaviors and values. Mm. Um, 
We spend a lot of time, uh, yeah, a fair amount of time looking at the data and where people were at in terms of how they felt about being at work, about being equipped to do the work, about understanding why they were doing what they were doing. Manitoba, in my Manitoba Public Insurance, in my opinion, has a public good um, essence to it. It's about keeping people safe on the roads. It's more than just selling insurance. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people that were there were there for that reason, because they had that, I would say, public good mindset to their work. Um, And so we spent a lot of time uh, figuring out what were the behaviors that were going to be required for leaders and for employees to be an adaptable, um, service-oriented organization as everything around us is evolving, so did we need Mm. to do that. So what did that mean for us? And so we laid out some values, we laid out some behaviors and did a lot of work on leadership training. There was some coaching that had been introduced in the organization and we tried to continue that forward. Um, And really, uh, I worked hard at the executive level because as you know, if leadership isn't demonstrating the expectations for all, why should all follow suit? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we did everything we did at the employee level was um, facilitated or introduced at the executive level. And so part of my role was to reinforce that um, at the executive level. And I was fortunate to have a CEO that was very dedicated to this as well. Oh, that's amazing. It was. I mean, I've heard some stories about how much shifted when that part of you was there and, and the team there and just all of the goodness that, that happened. And, and then you moved on and kind of got into some, I don't know if I, the word obscure would be like, it was highly <laughs> unlikely, Yes. but, um, tell us a little bit about the transition from, from that role that you were in to what you're up to now. Cause it's quite amazing to me. Yeah. I think I'm still unpacking that as I reflect <laughs> on it, to be honest. Sure. Um, I felt like I had put things in place to keep the culture shift moving. The people that continue to be there are choosing, can choose to do that or do other things that could even make it better, which would be great. I walked into my office one day in March, 2017, and my something in my gut told me it was time to go. Mm. Yeah. And I would say that We'll talk a little bit more about the importance of listening to our bodies, I think. But I think that was probably one of the biggest hits I had that have started this journey for me about listening to my body. It was just a gut feeling. It was, yeah, it was a gut feeling. It was, um, it was in me. Like there was no, I think there was a bit of a voice with it. And um, there's lots around that that I can't go into. And, and um, there were a lot of challenges that required a lot of my energy while I was there. And so I um, found a jumping off point Mm -hmm. and went to a small consulting firm, which was not the right fit, but it was my, as I say, I'll call it my jumping off. And, um, and then I was like, now what? After the small consulting firm gig, um, realized that wasn't going to be working for me or for them, which was fine. And uh, I believe it was one of my executive coaches that I had had at MPI said to me, why don't you think about being a coach? Because I think you'd be really good at it. Wow. Yeah, which was really flattering. And so long story short, I did my my certification in executive coaching through the College of Executive Coaching in California. Great um, post-grad coaching certification, great instructors. 
And so, but it was interesting because um, I feel like I had one foot in learning to how to be a good coach and figuring out what that would look like for me and one foot in still wanting to be back in a bigger organization because I love the bigger strategic challenges that come with those roles. Right. So it, I would say it took me a good year, almost a year and a half to go, no, this is what I'm going to do in terms of focusing on coaching. I had started some programs uh, for women in leadership through this banner of Red Chair. And I had just started to explore involving horse in coaching. Mm. And I'm really grateful for my horse uh, who joined me in March. And for the process of continuing to figure out what it is that I need to be doing. And it's hard when you're 50, just over 50, and you're like, frick, I thought I had this all figured out. No kidding. Like, that's what I'm so appreciating about you is that, I mean, you're in this very successful role uh, as an executive at MPI, and you get a gut feeling, and then you just, you take the jump, which most people don't. They stay kind of stuck a lot of times without listening, and that you honored that. And then to, to move into this place of coaching, which is completely not opposite, but it's, I mean, it's just so open to what mm -hmm. you can do. So just to back up here to the, this, this coaching with horses piece, because mm -hmm. I mean, before I met you, I didn't know this was something, but I have had the opportunity to, to experience a session with you. And just for the listeners that are unaware of this, I mean, this is uh, Shannon works literally with horses and uses that as the, the platform to help people through um, different points of what they're trying to figure out in their life and working with the horses one-on-one. -on -one. And this has been some of the most profound uh, experience that I've ever had, like just in that session that we experienced. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I'd love for you first to tell us, like, how did you even find out about the opportunity to, to become a coach and work with a horse? Like it's, it's just so unlikely from where you were to, to what yes, you are, where you are now. It's amazing. Yes, there are days where I kind of shake my head and go, "Who are you?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, because uh, when you're in that executive role, you're very much in your head. And and if I could replay, I'll get to your question. I yeah. just want to add, if I could replay, knowing what I know now. And being more in my body when I was an executive, how would that have impacted my leadership? Wow. Like what would be different, do what you suspect? Would be um, I think I, I, could move, I can move pretty fast and yeah. it, I needed to move fast. I think I might have been at times, I might have moved a little slower. Um, and I think that I would have been able to manage my own energy better and mm. take better care of myself. Mm. And perhaps put up a few more boundaries that would have helped me to manage my energy better. Wow. And I mean, I, I also sense that you're quite a systematic thinker naturally. Yes. It's the gift of yours. It just oozes out of you. And I sense like this is a total, I mean, there's system involved probably in what you're doing, but it seems just so much more in, like you say, the body and the emotions and the gut feelings and the... It is, but that's the system I've figured out. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And with the horses... Right. So you asked me, how did I get into this? So yeah, our 20 year old, um, she's been riding horses probably for about two years. So not a long time. And while I was after I'd left my executive role or maybe even when I was still there, anyways, I started going to the barn with her every once in a while because I really enjoyed being there. Hmm. And one, I noticed a few things. One was you can't do anything quickly with horses. 
because they will only move as fast as they want to move. <laughs> yeah. You can encourage for sure, but they have their pace. So there was a different pace at the barn, which I started to sense early on as I started to go with her. So that was one thing I was curious about. And then I noticed the impact on her, on riding, on being with her horse, the relationship that was forming, how her horse was starting to respond to her. And over visits, I started to wonder, and I was starting to get in my coaching thing and starting to wonder, what if there's something here about horses and coaching? Oh, wow. Yeah. Was and, it a gut feeling? Yeah, I would say. Huh. Yeah, there was a bit of a, and a bit of a voice. I think there's some um, um, Clara, Clara audience that I have. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I was trying to think of the word. And uh, so I let that kind of percolate for a few months. And then early in 2019, I think it was after the new year, I thought, well, what the heck? I'm just going to Google. So I literally Googled coaching with horses. Wow. And Kathy Pike's website was the first one that came up. And so I listened to some of her uh, YouTubes. I did. I read one of her books, Hope from the Heart of Horses. If anyone's curious about this, it's a wonderful book um, and tells her story. And uh, I did look at some other programs as well. And so I was reflecting on that and thinking about it for a few months. And then I thought, well, I'll start with um, riding a horse. So I had my first riding lesson beginning of March. And um, I think I had already reached out to Kathy about her year-long certification. And so my first riding lesson was done. And I said to the riding instructor, I think I have to buy a horse. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You just I just knew. I never had a horse in my life. I rode horses at camp when I was a kid, right? But what was it like that made you feel well, that way? Well, she said, Do you? And I said, I think I do because how else am I going to figure this out? Because it's about relationship and energy. And so I'd have to spend time with the horse. I said, If I get a horse, I'm going to be here four to five times a week. And I have been since March. I've been at the barn four to five times a week. Wow. And so I thought, well, best case scenario, if I get a horse by the end of April, then I'm doing good. Well, a week later, we're driving out to Manitou, <laughs> in southern Manitoba, with a horse trailer. And I met Trinket, who's a purebred Arabian mare, eight years old, almost nine. And the owner brought her into the barn, and the woman who was with me um, was checking her out from a physical perspective. And I was standing beside her. And just kind of chatting with her. And I said to her, you know what? I think we might have some work to do together. And uh, Trinket licked and chewed. And that was my sign that she was connecting with me and she was going to come home and help me do this work. Right. So there's something about this. Yeah. When a horse licks and chews in this Mm -hmm. work that I learned in my session. Yeah. That it's almost like they're in agreement. Is that what it is? Yeah. I'm still learning that process. There's something about dopamine in their brains that happens. What I'm, what I'm learning is that when we are congruent in ourselves, so whatever we're feeling inside and expressing externally, when that is congruent, horses will acknowledge that. Really? Yeah. By licking and chewing. Just this whole idea of horses. Um, why horses and like why 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 horses as the as the animal or medium to do this work yeah so i'm i'm continuing to peel the layers on that what i'm learning through kathy's program which i started in june and she's a gifted phenomenal uh, coach with horses so i feel really fortunate so what i'm learning about horses is that they are um, sentient 
mm. and vibrational beings. And because their energy bubbles are perme permeable, because they need to be permeable because they react to the energy of other beings around them in order to know how to behave. Oh, wow. So whether they need to fight, flight, freeze, um, they're able to pick up on our energy, right? And the work that you do, you know very well that we all have energy and vibrations that we emit out into the world around us. So horses will pick up on our vibrations. Wow. So... Um, so that's, I would say to me, that's one of the biggest reasons that they can do this work. And so when we are not truthful about what's going on inside of us, they can reflect that in us. And when we are emitting certain vibrations, they can give us certain cues about maybe we need to look at ourselves in that way. Huh. So for somebody that has never experienced this, like how do you, how do you begin to pick up on cues from horses that they're, they're feeling our energy or they're trying to, are they trying to tell us something? Like, how do you connect to that? What, what's happening in the process? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm still learning that as I continue my practice sessions and, um, it's, uh, it's, when a human and a horse and a human coach are together, it's like you're weaving this tapestry or picture and you're allowing it to unfold based on everybody's energy. Wow. And um, so I'll give you an example of, of what I've seen happen. So I was coaching a woman who uh, had major knee surgery. So she had still a brace on her knee. She was uh, cognizant of the surface that she was on. So she was not overly excited to be walking around the round pen because it was a little uneven. Right. And at one point, uh, she was standing in the middle, and I think Annie was kind of hovering around her. And Annie's the horse. Annie's the horse, yes, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I called her Annie after my grandma, Aww. who was a very strong and independent woman. Wow. Yeah, so I had a purpose for that name. Uh, so this individual was standing in the pen. I said, so what do you think you'd like to do? And she said, I really would like to move, but I'm cautious of my knee. I don't want to hurt it. So she goes in with an intention. Yes. And her heart's desire with her horse was to experience movement. Okay. Yeah. And so she's got this knee that's not working very well. Correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole process we do before, as you know, before we go into the pen. So to prepare people yeah. and um, they identify their heart's desire. So her heart's desire was to move, but she was hesitant to move. Hmm. And so I said, well, I'll offer a suggestion. Why don't you um, consider walking a small circle? It's a 60-foot pen. So you don't have to go around the edge. Maybe just walk in the middle. She said, yeah, that might be a good idea. So she starts to walk, and I'm observing Annie join up with her. And as the woman tries to cut in to make a smaller circle, Annie pushes her out. Oh. She doesn't touch her. She just doesn't let her cut in. And so, in essence, she was forcing her to walk a bigger circle. And at one point, the woman stopped and kind of looked at her and, you know... What's going on <laughs> here? her brow, like, what are you doing? And Annie just stood there. And then she walked a little further, and then she let her cut in and make her circle. Wow. So I asked hmm. her, Do you, what, what's going on right now? She said, she's, making, she's not letting me walk a small circle. And I said, well, what's that doing for you? And she says, maybe I can do more than I think I can. Oh, wow. And so she walked another circle. And at one point, Annie was behind her, almost did not touching her, but almost like pushing her forward to keep going. Oh, my goodness. And so 
right? I didn't orchestrate that. That was purely Annie picking up on her energy and her desire to move. Right. So whatever vibration she was giving off, Annie was responding. So for you as a coach, what's your role in the process if the client is in the pen with a horse you're from my experience you were standing outside the pen correct yeah and and what's your role like what does it look like to be a coach working with a horse and a client I mean oh my goodness yeah it takes coaching to a whole other level let me tell you I imagine I mean (laughs) sometimes I'm so grateful for Annie because she can sense stuff that I can't sure right because she's so vibrationally in tune. Wow. Like masterful, I bet. Yes. And she's meant for this work, I'm convinced. Um, So what is my role? My role is to be grounded Mm -hmm. and present Mm -hmm. and not to take on the client's energy, Mm -hmm. um, to observe what's going on um, and to observe the horse as much or a little bit more than I'm observing the person. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm watching the horse. So usually it's Annie. I've also coached with other horses. Um, If the horse is licking and chewing, then a question might be, what are you experiencing right now? Oh, wow. Really? Mm -hmm. So that, and it's not about my interpretation of what's happening. It's what the client's interpretation. What the client's interpretation is. Sure. So licking and chewing means that the the horse is in agreement or is kind of confirming somebody's aha moment or, yeah. or observation. Yeah. What, what are some other signs or symbols in this work that you notice horses do that like might represent something? Mm-hmm. Couple things in terms of my personal experience when working with Annie, she has done things, <laughs> she's done it in two separate sessions. So there are lunge sticks or carrot sticks, long lunge lines in the middle of the pen in case the client feels like the horse is not respecting their boundaries. Oh, I remember those (laughs) clearly. Yes. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, so I believe it was in your session and someone else's Annie walked over and picked up one of the lunch sticks off the ground with her mouth and then dropped it. Yeah. That was profound to me. And so when it happened for the other individual, I said, Oh, what do you think that was about? And she's, she laughed and she said, she's being cheeky. And then she said, she's, I think she's telling me I'm not going to need these. Wow. So I'm safe. Wow. Yeah. So uh, since being at my level two training, I've learned that that can also mean that perhaps the session is around boundaries when a horse pays attention to the, car- the sticks. So again, it's asking the questions and trying to help people feel what's going on there. Another role of mine is to bring, keep bringing people back to their bodies. Yeah. The physical as opposed to the mental. That's right. Sure. So one of the things I'm learning is that if people are talking too much in the pen, they're in their head. And when I ask questions like, what are you experiencing? Where are you in your body? What does that feel like? Those types of questions. If they're quick responses, then they're truly in their body because the body does not take long to respond. Right. If we're really in tune. Right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Wow. So just back to the horse cues. So, yeah. so these carrot sticks, I just wanted to let the listeners know. So, so from in my session, uh, Annie did the same thing. She, she picked did. up these carrot sticks and you told me at the beginning that these, these sticks are in case it gets out of control and you yeah. need to kind of like create your distance from the horse. So she goes over to these sticks, this horse, Annie, and she picks them up and then drops them again. And I got a, also the, a very similar intuition when she was doing that of like, you're safe. You're going to be okay. It's uh, because when I, I just should preface, when I walked into that pen, I was like, I was surprisingly very nervous because this is, 
a huge horse that's like <laughs> staring me down and like kind of, it was crowding my space at first. And I was she like, was. I was like, Annie back off. Like this is too much. And you know, I, I went in with an intention of wanting to remove masks and be more vulnerable. And boy, did she test me in that session of just like crowding my space to the point where I, I had to just totally show up as me and, and allow myself to feel that. And anyways, but it's yeah. just, it's incredible how symbolically, but literally these horses, uh, well, Annie, I should say, um, kind of moves us in a direction of awareness. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. One other thing I wanted you to comment on. I mean, you said something about when they go to the bathroom, it means something. And oh. there's like, there's a bunch of these kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while they will poop or pee in a, in a session. Yeah. Um, what I have learned is that that is a sign of release. Right. On, on behalf of the client or just... Quite often, they will have re- picked up that someone has released something. Yeah, released some yeah. stuff. And- yeah. And I have, as a client in the round pen, because part of my certification is to be coached and to feel what's that like. Because the one thing, one of the many things I appreciate about this certification is you have to do your own work. Your personal work, because if I'm not figuring myself out, and can, which is, an, as you know, an ongoing lifelong process, then I will be limited in my impact to coach others as well. Wow. And so I have experienced a horse poop while I've been in the pen. I've experienced a horse pee. And it was always around the time where I had had a major release, which usually included tears. Wow. And so on, on your behalf, almost, it's like they're, yeah. cl- they're clearing too. Yeah. Although I did have another experience in my level two training where we were meeting the herd. So we were observing each of the horses and, and noticing what we were sensing and anything we were intuiting and, st- intuiting and stuff. And um, so I was observing Diva, this beautiful horse, and she pooped. And um, the first thing I heard, again, clear audience, was know your own shit. <laughs> And then, and then she turned around and, and smelt it. Right. So it was like, it was very clear. And so I had my journal with me and I'd opened it up and she walked over to me, put her head over the top rail of the fence and started to nibble on my journal very gently. Whoa. And as you're writing this down, I just started to write. And so I very slowly backed away so she wouldn't wreck it. And, uh, And in my head, I said to her, yeah, I got it. I'm writing it down. And I wrote it down and she walked away. Oh, wow. So she was actually intuitively telling you like, this is important. Pay attention. Yeah. That's, that was my interpretation. Wow. And, um, I mean, could you say that was coincidence? I guess you could, but I don't know. The more that I've, I'm doing this work and the more that I read about it, it's not coincidence. I sense it's a lot of this too is like um, interpreting on a symbolic level mm-hmm. or intuitive level mm-hmm. based on the horse's behavior and the interaction with the client or if you are the client, how is the horse behaving around you? How do you get somebody to that state where they start trusting their intuition or or seeing the symbolic in what's happening in the pen? Because I mean, so many of us are living, like you said earlier, in our head. Mm-hmm. How do you bring people into that that intuitive place? Yeah, so the process that I'm learning through Kathy is her mind-body method of coaching. Okay. Which is uh, a s- set of questions um, that we did before you went into the, the round pen. Yeah. Um, so that's a big part of it is to really help people um, pay attention 
through those questions, what their body is telling them to get. And the, the sequence I'll say, even though it can go back and forth of, um, identifying sensations that you're feeling in your body and identifying what feelings those sensations may be related to. Hmm. And then from those feelings, what's the full blown emotion? So are you feeling joy, peace, love? Are you feeling curiosity, neutrality? Are you feeling worry, doubt, fear, frustration, anger, shame, guilt, right? And we all feel all the time, but we're rarely aware, I would say, yeah. of how we're feeling. And so the other, um, one of the other processes I'm learning is the four steps to the present, uh, which are four quick questions that are not meant to be deliberated on. Um, and so at any point during the day to ask yourself, where am I in my body? What am I, what are the feelings or sensations? What am I thinking? And what's the quality of my breath? Really? And it's a really quick check-in. And, um, I have not been as consistent lately as I would like to be on practicing that, which reminds me that I need to start again. <laughs> um, but I've noticed that when I do it regularly, you do start to see patterns, Really? Like yeah. within you? Yeah. No and uh, so if I'm feeling um, anxious or f- probably more anxious and unsure of things, then generally I have feelings in my chest. There's a heaviness. Um, it could be a little bit warm. Um, it could be across my chest. It could be just around my shoulder, in front of my shoulders. And so being aware of that. Yeah. Right. And the other thing that I'm learning through this work and with the horses is that emotions give us good information. Oh, wow. And that's to me the connection to the brain in terms of the thinking brain. So, not to shove aside our emotions and say, I'm not feeling sad or I'm not feeling angry, but yeah, I'm feeling really angry right now. So, what is that about? What am I angry about? And using this emotional message chart that I'm studying, gives us questions to help us work through that. And then if I recognize what that emotion is and can process that, I am more likely to move out of it into a, what I'll call, what they call a higher vibration emotion. Hmm. What is, what, what would be an example of a higher vibration emotion? Yeah. Peace, love, joy. Sure. Yeah. This emotional message chart that we're studying through Kathy's program is, um, Uh, they have actually measured the vibrational level of people when they say they're experiencing certain emotions. And so high vibration emotions are expansive, right? We know when we're feeling love or joy, we feel we can do anything and we're open to possibilities. Yeah. When we're feeling things like shame or doubt or anger, uh, guilt, those are constrictive emotions, right? And they they constrict our action and our thinking and keep us stuck. Sure. So the better we're able to process, first of all, acknowledge that we're feeling them, process them, and identify how to move to a higher vibrational emotion Help can help us move through life in probably a healthier and more fulfilled way. Wow. So have you found, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about this, but to move from a lower vibrational emotion to a higher one, I mean... At, at, at the time that it's happening, you know, mm-hmm. we can get really stuck in those lower vibrational 
places where it's like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. And, you know, how do you, how would you suggest somebody moves to a higher vibration? I mean, beyond the awareness. Yeah. One of the things I'm learning, it's actually funny, um, not funny, interesting, because I talked about this at my red chair session with a group of women last week. And we talked about leading with courage. And courage is one of the emotions on the emotional message chart. And one of the things that we talked about as a group was when we feel the emotion of courage rising up in us, Yeah. what is it that stops us from practicing courage? And often it's this little voice, conditioned voice inside of us from somewhere in our past that either says, it's not safe to try, I can't do it, people will laugh at me, whatever that voice is for the individual. Yes. And so becoming aware of that voice, and in the program we refer to that as an inauthentic voice because it keeps us from being who we're meant to be. Mm. And then... What do you want to replace that voice with? So is it, I am courageous or it's safe to try? And then being really deliberate when that inauthentic voice rises up and replacing it. Oh my goodness. I love this. This is right in line with what I believe. I know it is. (laughs) You're just right on on the money with that one. Yeah, absolutely. And I I guess as I'm I'm thinking about this, last night... um, got to hold my, my little baby niece for the, mm. one of the first times. And she's like, she's only a month old and I'm holding her and I'm looking at her and I'm just thinking about how we all come into the world really just so open and, and pure and without all of the judgment and the, the drama and the, all the stories and the conditioning. And as you were saying that, I was just thinking about that and this beautiful way that your work seems to really help people return back to that state ultimately mm, of, mm-hmm. of the higher levels of vibration and, mm-hmm. and emotion and whatnot. It, do you think it's possible to, or is it a good thing to, to work towards that constantly? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. Are there any gifts in the lower vibrational emotions that you found? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't anticipate that one. Just <laughs> <laughs> curious. Like, yeah. is there is 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 there ever benefit to, in your thoughts of this uh, being in a lower vibrational state? Yeah, I think so because, well, I know so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we go through life with everybody doing the best that they can, right? I'm try, I am try to have that mindset no matter what type of behavior I observe or experience. Mm-hmm. But we all, uh, I, we're all human. We are all egotistical. We, um, we all screw up at times. We all act out of self-interest at times. And so that impacts other people. So we're all impacting others and we're all impacted. So that, and then we create our personal stories from that. Yes. Right? And our interpretations of it. Yeah. And so to feel maybe not comfortable, but maybe safe to feel one of those low vibrational emotions in my mind and to be able to practice the courage to unpack it a little bit may, I, I believe it gives us opportunity to acknowledge, forgive, if forgiveness needs to happen. Um, perhaps identify where we've held ourselves back. Um, and then that opens up all kinds of possibilities for us. Right. 
Yeah. It's and almost it, like you, you almost need it in order to, to expand. Yeah. Do you find? Yeah. We like, have to. I'm really, I mean, I've known this all my life. I'm learning it at a whole other level now, especially with the horses is like, there is no choice <laughs> unless you want to live a constricted life. Now, some people might be really offended by hearing that. Um, and there's just the other thing I'm realizing and talking, going back to systems thinking is the way that these, at the way that the horses live, the way that they um, pick up from vibrations in the system around them and that we are part of that system, right? And there's just so many variables around us all the time, many of which we're not aware of. Mm. And so what a great gift to ourselves to explore that and identify like, what am I missing? Yeah. As opposed to, um, this is the box that I'm in and it's, and it is possibly safe. Okay. But what else are you missing? What else could you be experiencing? How else could you contribute to the world? Yeah. How else could people honor and trust and love you? Right. Well, hearing you say that, I mean, it's so easy for us, so many of us to be in a comfort zone of what we've deemed comfortable or safe, right? Like it's almost like we're, I always talk about being stuck like a flea in a jar where (laughs) the flea never jumps out of the jar once it's conditioned itself to, to be Mm -hmm. stuck in there. Mm -hmm. Even when you take the lid off, they don't jump out. I mean, it's, it's kind of reminding me of this, like this idea that it's, it appears to be safe, but recently I heard somebody say it's actually scarier to be stuck in just a pattern of safety, of mm. apparent safety versus stretching outside of that. What maybe we, that voice that you mentioned says like, stay in the bubble. Don't, don't go outside of this bubble, but there's, there's something actually more liberating as I'm hearing you talk about it. And I'm even just seeing your life experience of stepping out of your comfort zone. I mean, leaving the job you did to do this work. I mean, that is like a living example of, of being liberated beyond the confines of what we've deemed as I'd almost say it's false safety, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's, yes. like it's quite profound yes. what you're talking about. Yes. Here. Wow. So do like, have you found just observing the horses? Like, is there any of that going on for them? Like in your, in your hmm. observation where they, they stay in a safe place or how does it work with horses? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I'm learning about them, I'm the other is, I mean, they're a, they're a prey animal. Okay. Right. So they're preyed upon which is partly why um, they need to live in a herd hmm. because they, the herd, each member of the herd has a role and they work together to protect themselves. Really? And to flourish. Wow. And um, <clears throat> one of the things I'm learning too is that horses don't spend a lot of time um, thinking about stuff. <laughs> so they may feel something, they may feel a danger they will react and then they're safe and they go back to grazing. Interesting. Um, they may sense that another horse is acting inappropriately for the herd, whatever that means for them. Um, and so they may kick the horse, they may bite the horse, they may, I've heard of horses being put in the corner of the pen by the lead mare and the mare won't let them move. Really? Yeah. Wow. So they manage themselves. Um, but they do what they need to do, and then they go back to grazing. Horses spend the majority of their life grazing. So when they're grazing, it's neutral. It's neutral. They're in their happy place. This is what I'm meant to do. 
And the other thing um, that I'm, so the other lesson from horses is um, the collective is more important than the individual. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Can you speak a bit about just the different roles of a herd? like the different types of horses that would be within a herd? Too? Yeah. So again, still learning all of that. From what you, from what uh, you yeah, know so far yeah. and discovered. Yeah. So what I'm learning is often in a large farm, you'll have geldings and mares separate, males and females separate. Um, in a wild herd, I've I've learned that you would have a, a mare lead. You'd also have a, a gelding or, or I guess a stallion lead. Um and they each have their role. And one of the other things I've learned through my reading is that uh, horses will know um, who is the true leader. Mm. Um, and the true leader of a herd is not a reactive horse. Oh, really? The true leader is a horse that will assess. They will react quickly if it's um, instinctual fear that they sense. Uh, but otherwise, they will kind of figure out what's going on before they choose to react. Wow. And one of the other things that I've learned through my reading is a horse can sense if a predator is nearby and is prepared to attack or if they're just walking through. Really? Yeah, based on the vibration of the predator. So then they know whether or not they need to flee or if they can continue to graze. Oh my goodness. Which is really cool. How do they know? Like how, how do horses have this ability to pick up on all of this energy? Again, it's the vibration, right? They're, they're sentient beings. Yeah. That energetic connection. Yeah. You'd mentioned something about a horse's heart being bigger than a human's or something. That was so interesting to me when you mentioned this. Um, Yeah. Can you just speak a little bit about that piece too? Yeah, I mean, horses feel more than they think, right? Again, the energy, the vibration piece. Yeah. Um, And their hearts are bigger than our hearts and their brains are smaller than our brains, right? Compared to how big they are. Um, And so there's a lot that we can learn by connecting with the horse's heart. And um, there's that's another piece of studying that I want to do. There's a Heart Math Institute in California that's been um, doing a lot of research on heart the the role of the heart and um what they're learning is that the heart is an actually is actually a more powerful um organ than the brain really in terms of what it does for us in our body and uh who we are and uh so again i'm not an expert on that by any means there's more reading i need to do on that uh but that's what i mean by peeling the layers of this work right there's so many so many layers to this. And, and yet when I've been doing my practice sessions, I've seen the impact with the little that I know right now yeah. and partnering with a horse and the impact on an individual. Cause everyone's walked out of the pen going, getting something really significant for their life. And, um, it doesn't mean I wasn't doing something right but I'm still learning the process. And so, and then when I watch, you know, Kathy Pike do her coaching, it's like, wow, wow. Cause she's so intuitive and she's done this work for so many years that she's so, so skillful in, in facilitating that tapestry that unfolds when a horse and a human are in a round pin. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
There's so much here. I just think about too, just how complimentary it is where we spend most of our time in our, our busy brain and forget to listen to our heart. And these beautiful beings of these horses are just like right there. And they're, they're almost like the yin to our yang. Like yeah. they, they have this ability to bring us into this place of more heart centered. It's so powerful. Like to experience this for people. Mm-hmm. I love that you're doing this. The other piece that strikes me about you, Shannon, is just your ability to be a lifelong learner. Mm. which I really am appreciating and like your humbleness around it going, there's layers to unpack here that, that are constant. I mean, this is a lifelong journey, but just like in the work that you are doing right now, it's so transformative. I just, I don't know if there's any other stories around what you've seen or witnessed with horses and people that you want to share, like any highlights from that. But I, I mean, I know that we've had a few conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, God, I could share all about my session because I was blown away, but just, just briefly, I just to give people sure. a sense of some of these, you mentioned the one that was yeah. the, with the, the movement, but is there any others? Like it's pretty powerful. Yeah, I had, uh, I did a session uh, with a gentleman, uh, not you, um, who was scared of horses, scared of horses, um, but really wanted to try this. Um, Told me he almost turned around on the way to the barn. (laughs) Uh, I said, I was really glad you didn't. He actually chose, uh, because part of the process is you meet the herd. And so, but depending how you respond to the, which horse, that's who, that's who you'll coach with. Right. So she, he coached with crim, short for criminal. Um, <laughs> Smooth criminal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, crim had never coached before. I had brought him into the round pen prior to, to introduce him to the round pen, talk to him about the work. Uh, and crim was just awesome. And it was a lot of um, the individual working through his, his uneasiness. Crim's a, a bit of a bigger horse than uh, Annie is. Uh, Krim is also marked. He was branded, so he's got a marking on his one rear. And uh, which also um, drew the uh, gentleman to him because he felt like he sometimes marked um, and maybe labeled, I guess. And uh, so it was, I I don't recall anything um, super significant except for Krim giving him space and coming back and giving him space and coming back. Yeah. And, um, lots of hands on the horse and feeling the breathing and the energy. And, and it's so interesting because the individual did all this processing as I'm asking questions, he really was in his body. And so we had a great debrief after the session and then I received this email from him the next day about the impact of that hour, whatever it was, half hour in the pen with Krim and how he had gone for a walk later that evening um, and planning to think about it. And instead of thinking about it, he was more aware of the leaves on the trees and the wind and sensing what was going on around him and really feeling like he was being part of it, wow. which he said he hadn't experienced since he was a child. Oh my goodness. Right. And, yeah. um, and that he had overcome his fear and he didn't know how he was going to be in the round pen with this big horse and the horses know when you're scared. So they will give you space. Yeah. And, um, at least that's been my experience to date. Wow. 
So that was a really cool experience. And then another um, process that we do is a reflective grooming session. So I've had the privilege of, I've done one myself uh, in my, my training, which was an incredibly powerful experience for me. And I facilitated two practice sessions with two different women. And I would say that both of the women were quite focused on thinking at the start. (laughs) And uh, Annie was the horse coach for each of those sessions and she would not stand still. Um, and so I had to, or what I did is either ask the person to step back and we do a little bit of coaching and what's going on for you. And, and in one situation, um, processed a new authentic voice for the individual and then going to the horse and saying that and grooming the horse as they're using their new voice. Wow. And as each of the two women, um, settled into their body and got grounded, Annie stood still. And so to me, that was a really powerful example of um, the horse isn't going to do what you want it to do unless you're congruent and consistent in where you are that day. Absolutely. So Annie knew this was a grooming session. I'm sure she did. She saw the brushes. I tied her up to the stall so she can move or she can go anywhere. Um, but she's like, I'm, my interpretation of it is, you know what, until you kind of get yourself centered, I'm not going to just stand here and let you do this. Right. <laughs> so figure it out. Yeah. And then I will stand. And it was really interesting. Wow. In the one session, every once in a while, while we were doing this initial piece and working through some stuff, Annie would check in. She'd turn to the side to the, to the individual and just kind of I said, what do you think she's doing? She goes, oh, I guess she's checking to make sure I'm okay or whatever, right? So That's incredible. They can be really powerful sessions as well. And just the subtlety that um, is, although the the action might seem subtle, I sense there's so much depth and layers in the symbolism of what that horse is communicating energetically. Yes. That at least was my experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to just go back to that story of that first client you mentioned where after the session, he went for that walk and it wasn't just thinking about it. It was like everything was alive. I had the same experience in a way after my session with you and, and Annie and walking outside and, and realizing that uh, although the horses are so intuitive, like everything around us seems like it's alive mm-hmm. and aware and responsive mm-hmm. and has wisdom to share. Mm-hmm. If we're willing to be present and tune into it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I really picked that up from this work. Mm-hmm. And essentially it reminds, I mean, that's what coaching is all about, isn't it? It's like becoming aware of who we are on deeper levels than yes. just just the mind. Yes. And I just, I love that you're bringing that. I, one last question about the horses. That's, yeah, I have sure. to, do you feel like every horse is cut out for this work or are there different types of horses? Like when I worked with Annie, to me, it was like, she was, she knew what she was doing. Like she, she knew she was a, a coach. Like yeah. I was like, <laughs> was she trained to do that or no. really? No. Wow. I spent, I spent a lot of time with her in the round pen, just her and I. Yeah. Um, and I would do some of my own four steps to the present or, you know, working on being grounded and centered in the pen with her. So she was sensing that from me. Yeah. I would talk to her about this is where we're going to do our work. Um, but there is no real training, I would say. Um, what I've learned 
um, observing Kathy's horses and uh, one of her apprentices who also does this work and has a wonderful herd is that if the the horse that is doing the coaching, the other horses, uh, if they are in sight of what's of the coaching, the round pen, um, those horses will usually um, make uh, hold space oh. and focus on that. Because I watched as we were really? doing round pen sessions and the other horses were standing by the fences and observing. So horses know like they sense what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so the, I guess to some extent, maybe they learn from that. I don't know. Wow. I don't know if every horse is cut out for this. Um, I've learned that emotionally, more emotionally mature horses are good coaches. There's just like humans, some horses are not maybe as emotionally mature. Yeah, um, sure. And you know, as I, I I'm thinking about this too. I imagine that we get what we need always. Mm -hmm. So if you need a less emotionally mature horse, that's what you'll get. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. Right. And if we're yeah. paying attention, it's like everything is everything. It's trying to speak yeah. to us. Yeah. Oh man. So powerful. I, um, I could talk to you about these <laughs> pieces for hours. It's just so fascinating. I, as we're getting to the end of our, our chat here, I wanted people to definitely have the opportunity to stay in touch with you and your mm -hmm. work. Because um, aside from the horse coaching, you also run this amazing program called Red Chair mm -hmm. that I spoke about in the intro. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you're also doing a lot of uh, coaching horses and, and without horses, yep. uh, executive coaching as well. Yeah. So um, tell us where we can find out a little bit more and stay in touch if people have questions or they... Yeah, yeah. no, I really appreciate the opportunity. So I do have a website. It's called ccoachandconsult.ca. C is S-E-E. -E. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And C that's coaching. my initials with my maiden name. Okay. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Well, look at that. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of seeing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, or they can send me a uh, email at ccoaching at shaw.ca. Okay. Oh, yeah. that's easy. Great. Yeah. Wow. Shannon, I am so grateful you took the time to be here and to share. And I'm so appreciating this conversation because it really did feel like organically in the moment. And I, I love that you have this ability to uh, create that for, mm -hmm. for everybody that you seem to work with. And uh, your balance between systematic thinking and your emotional heart. It's just, it's such a gift. Mm, like, well, thank your you. range is just so <laughs> inspiring to, to be with. So thank you for being here. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to our next conversation. I, well, I would love for you to come back because I, I imagine as this continues to grow and the layers peel back, there's probably going to be so many more stories mm -hmm. ahead mm -hmm. as this deepens for you as well. Thank you. So, thank you very here. much, Keith. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I'm feeling so inspired after sitting with Shannon on that episode and discussing the power of energy and how horses can truly help us move into that place of transformation. It's absolutely a gift. So I highly recommend that you go check out Sea Coaching and Consulting and um, do some reading up on, on the work of Kathy Pike and, and coaching with horses. It's quite profound. Until next time, everybody, I wish you a wonderful uh, week ahead, and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of Let's Connect.